Whew. Okay. Right. We got our backup. We're all good. We got the backup, yeah. Although, it'll be, yeah, well, it'll be Zoom audio. Whatever. It's cool. How you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. Busy, okay, cool. busy week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a bunch of busy weeks. I'm yeah. uh, I'm hosting yeah. that jam again. Dude, I had a crazy conversation last night, though. And I don't know. It, we could bring it into the thing. I was at yeah. a, I was at an open jam. <laughs> or I was at a jam here in at a, uh-huh. uh, here in bleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I man. haven't been bleeped. I mean, people. I mean, I. <laughs> It'd be great if you bleeped everything. Like I was at a bleep yeah, here yeah. in bleep. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You go early enough though, and like we say it, and it's not unbleep. But anyway, it's, that'll just be funny. <laughs> Unbleepable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So uh, I was talking with this bass player, and it was I don't even know how we got here, but it got he's a he's in real estate for his day job, mm. and then mm. uh, it got to he's a Pentecostal Christian, mm. and then we were talking scripture, and then he was like praying over me, and it's just like it got wild. How did it go from that to just? Well, I started like, pressing him on some ideas because. <laughs> But I'm also interested. Like I wasn't, I sure. wasn't trying to convince him of anything. I was mostly trying to see where his theology went because uh-huh. I work, I work at a Methodist church, so I hear the Methodists all the time, and I don't talk uh-huh. to many Pentecostals. So I'm sort of interested in where, uh, where their theology goes is it, with the whole isn't, thing. Isn't that what uh, Sam Kinison was <laughs> before he right. became a comedian? <laughs> he was a Pentecostal Probably. preacher. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like the fire and brimstone stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. There's fire and brimstone stuff. It's yeah. so the 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 I think it's the gifts of the Pentecost is really where it comes from. So the the idea is that. If you have faith in Jesus, you have all the gifts. Like, you are indistinguishable from Jesus. You can do mm. all the stuff that Jesus does. So you can raise people from the dead. You can turn water into wine. Interesting. All, so if you can't do those things, that means that you don't have enough faith. Uh, so does everybody not have enough faith? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, like, you are healed. That, that was the craziest thing. It's like he was talking about how he was having heart problems and he couldn't walk long distances. And the doctors were telling him to rest, but mm-hmm. his his uh, his his pastor was saying, "No, no, 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 no! Like that's all wrong. What you need to do is just walk. But while you're walking, praise and thank Jesus with every step. Hmm. And if you get too tired and you need a rest, that means that you're not walking with enough faith, because hmm. you are healed. Interesting. And how long ago was this?" I don't know. Like, how long has he been well, doing it, I wonder? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I don't know. Because he has some story. This is a, There's this one story, and I don't know. It's, it's a little disrespectful. I, I, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of uh, <laughs> certain types of Christians <laughs> like to say that they were atheists for a long time, and it's like, yeah. I don't believe that story at all. Yeah. And w- kind of what they mean by that, like they're, they're in some stupid legal technicality, is they mean like they weren't baptized until they were in their <laughs> 20s. And so, like. You're coming right out of the gate. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It was a it's wild conversation. Yeah. It was a crazy conversation. Uh, yeah. So, how long did you let him pray over you? I don't know. That's how he ended it. He was like, Would you mind if I prayed over you? Would. Would that would that embarrass you too much? And I was like, you pray if you want. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> well, that's nice. I mean, you know, the thing is, he's he obviously means well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he I means assume. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> until until he starts telling it's you, this, you're going it's this funny thing though, because I I feel like I'm the devil when I have conversations yeah. like this. I know. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, but I, I sort of enjoy <laughs> that in a perverse way. Like getting yeah, into I, our conversation of madness today, I like sure. it because he the whole time he's talking about how the force of the devil is the force of the intellect. And so if yeah. you read the Bible from an intellectual perspective, that's what the devil does because the devil knows scripture right. better than anybody. The devil right. knows scripture extremely well, and the devil yeah. uh, is like very intellectually savvy with the scripture. Mm-hmm. And that is not what a good faithful Christian does. Yeah. A good faithful yeah. Christian feels the scripture and engages right. with it on a spiritual level, but is not intellectually dissecting it. Yeah, no, so I will say, so we're talking about Foucault, right? Yeah, yeah madness and civilization. And uh, I had my trepidations, but man, I've actually very much enjoyed it. It's very difficult to read, but... It's hard. Uh, this yeah. is like hitting on the exact metaphysics that I that I like, so... It's so it's colorful, good. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, maybe too colorful sometime, but... Right, it's so colorful <laughs> that it's hard to understand what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I don't know if you saw, you know, I, was, I did an Instagram uh, story post about uh, some of my thoughts about this, and I was just reading his Wikipedia, and I didn't realize this was actually his thesis. Did you know mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, didn't know that until you posted it. But. Yeah, I mean, but it sort of makes sense now reading about it, because it's like, you know, there is a little bit of, like... And so I started yeah. also reading his, uh, like, Birth of the Clinic. Book. Oh, I, cool. It, it yeah. inspired me to go get a bunch of his other ones, so yeah. I'm going to work my way through his stuff. And just even from the get-go, I felt like he was much more coherent in Birth of a Clinic. Like right. He had, you know, and and, uh, and don't get me wrong, I mean, part of it also is, I think, just the fact that he has all of these super obscure references that I just have never heard of. And then, and then he sort of, like, He's doesn't like really the... introduce them. He just, like, <laughs> says the first name of the person, and I'm like, who, is, who are we talking about right now? He's like the, the Dennis Miller of postmodernism. <laughs> Dude, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Wow, yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was very interesting because, uh, yeah, I mean, he has, like, you can tell he knows history, and so it makes sense. I guess he right. studied history and yeah. philosophy, but he sort of had a hard time getting his thesis published. I, he, I, just again, right. I'm just reading about his Wikipedia, and he was like in Sweden for five years before this mm-hmm. Swedish historian uh, trying to get his uh, thesis public uh, defended there, and they kind of were like, "This sucks." And then he went to Poland for a little bit, and then I think right. he finally got it done in Germany or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, or maybe Poland, I don't remember. Uh, right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I can sort of see how he would have a hard time getting a committee to <laughs> approve this, just from the coherence right, of it. And I right. mean this like I mean this respectfully. Obviously, the guy's done a lot and has had a huge impact. So you know, it's like who am I to <laughs> offer critiques right. in some sense? No, but, no, uh, it's, but, it, it's yeah. interesting actually because I when I was in grad school, we I mean since I was in music. We engaged in postmodernism a lot yeah. more directly, probably, than you do in Definitely. your program. I don't, uh, we don't at all, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But the, I remember that we, we had a guest speaker who was specifically aligned with the postmodernist school. She called herself a postmodernist. Mm. And I remember sitting there, and her talk, I didn't even understand it. Oh, you told you talked about yeah, this, yeah. I like think. I, it's like the jargon, I literally right? didn't understand the, yeah. the sentences she was saying. Yeah, and but it was that like was very different. strange. Don't you think that was a little bit different than what's going on with Foucault? Or I don't know, maybe not. I think it's in line. I think actually, what happened after Foucault, in in my understanding, not being a postmodernist scholar, is that sort of those those flights of fancy that he goes on, where it just gets mm. really really colorful, is mm-hmm. what sort of everything becomes, and sort of. Mm. 
the writing of postmodernism is almost like poetry or something weird. Right. I did get that, like, and, and yeah, I mean, and this is especially as somebody that's basically done scientific writing for most of my career. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I mean, it it was a little bit frustrating in that sense because I was like, dude, (laughs) we do not need all of this. (laughs) Well, I feel like it's engaging with the tradition of history in a slightly different way. Because if you think about, about like, um, the Greek epics and things like that, those are mm-hmm. in verse. Those are songs, right, essentially. Right. They're poems, mm-hmm. and so I think that uh, there's there is the a... Iliad resting on the microphone right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> or the or the other way around, the microphone right. rest with yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, but yeah. It, ex- <laughs> so I think it's it's also engaging with uh, the that aspect of history because I remember learning this in a in a class uh, like a an ancient history class where they were talking about how the those Greek epics actually were history and greek historians mm-hmm. at the time also wrote in verse and would mm-hmm. write in metaphor and things like that right and our idea our idea today is a very modern idea that history is like the facts and well, dates and things like that well and also i just felt like the reason that it was like that is for memory before you write stuff down the way you remembered stuff is through verse i mean you can right. remember songs much more easily because of the rhyming scheme and and the rhythm mm-hmm. and stuff right. so i always thought that was more of a function of that sure I'm not, you know so it's all that idea of like yes it's great yeah my hair is <laughs> this is why i hate the cameras <laughs> Just looking at myself. I need to put something over my face. This is good. over your face. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be looking at myself. This I just, is, yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, sorry, I didn't mean to cover up the. Yeah. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm crazy. You know this. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but I. Uh, I don't know. I. Um, I, I I see that point, but there right. and and honestly, again, it's like like I said, I actually enjoyed reading it, even though it was frustrating to read. Right, and and I see that there is benefit to doing it this way, and and you know, I'm all for sort of making art out of. I mean, it's basically trying to be artistic, obviously, right. with history, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool and stuff like that. Uh, but did make it hard to read. And I do feel like from, again, I haven't read a lot of his later stuff yet, so for all I know, I could be completely wrong here. Uh, But it felt like he was starting to become a little bit more uh, coherent um, as his career. He becomes an old man, he becomes boring. Well, and that's all of us, right? Right. (laughs) God knows it's me. Um, Yeah, no, but... uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, no, I have enjoyed it a lot. But yeah, I mean, even just trying to understand what is his point here. I mean, so I guess. And you yeah, yeah. So how could we sum up yeah. the chapter? It's kind of long. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like the sum it up is that uh, before the 15th century, the medieval way that uh, we viewed madness was as. Uh, well, first off, we didn't try to sequester him away from mm-hmm. society and put him in. I mean, he was also making a point that the leper colony was like the precursor to the asylum. Yeah. Right. And and so we didn't sequester them away from society. We sort of thought that there was some wisdom mm-hmm. in their, I guess, abil- even though they weren't communicating in the way that we communicate, they were still communicating some kind of truth. Right. And then... After, you know, sort of starting in the 14th slash, he says the 15th century and onward into the sort of classical era and renaissance, um, then it became, uh, you know, we we became 
reason. You know, we basically right. reasoned our way out of it, out of uh, th- and trying to define basically everything in a reductionist setting of like right. this is what madness is and then sequestering him away and silencing him he had a big mm-hmm. motif about silence and how you know they've now become sort of their their the wisdom that they have we sort of silenced them and we right. only communicate with them through doctors i thought that was also kind of interesting mm-hmm. it's like we're not communicating with the, them as much directly right and so yeah it's more of just uh, not, I guess, I got it. He was trying to say that they, we're not appreciating the wisdom that they, they have, sure. essentially. Yeah. Um, and Yeah, but I don't know. You probably have a better take on it. I mean, I, I don't know if I have a better take. I, I'm not sure that I see so much prescription in this first chapter. I see it mm-hmm. kind of as laying out the history of the conception of madness. And right. yeah, so it starts with the, the idea of the leper colony and the shift from the leper colony to the insane asylum mm-hmm. uh, idea. And the, I think the idea of sequestering, in a sense, was there the whole time because they talk about the ship sen- of fools. Exactly, and right, right. The, the the I was reading a little bit about the ship of fools. That's like a, a fascinating mm-hmm. thing too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially the the shifting conception and where the where the essence of madness is is sort of the the basis of the shifting of conception because he talks about the tying of madness to water and the sea and the void and things like right. that the tying of madness to uh sort of either secret truths or uh truths that are sort of supposed to be hidden like tying it to the 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 tree of the knowledge of good and evil from the garden of eden as being right. the the center mast of the sh- the ship of fools yeah, well, and and I hear what you're saying, how they were still sort of sequestering, and I, I think this is something I was having a hard time understanding, but mm-hmm. I just felt like he was also, he kept sort of harping on this, like, the fool perceives wisdom in its whole, the man of reason perceives wisdom in fragments, and so, right. you know, and, and there was this sort of, I mean, that is, that I completely understood is like, yeah. I mean, that's our, actually what we've been talking about for forever. Well, that's like, that's my turtles all the way down idea. Right. Yeah, 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 and and this is the. I mean, it is the way that you could say that we've sort of accomplished so much scientifically and everything in the last six hundred years in the West has been through this reductionist sort right. of standard of just slowly breaking everything down and, and categorizing everything and and yeah, it's like uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I agree. It, it was more of embracing, yeah, but, like, even the ship of fools, the, the reason I sort of think that, you're right, it's like, they were sequestering them as in they pushed them out of, like, the village, yeah. but there was, they were allowed to roam, is sort of the yeah. point I think he was making, is why right. it's still sort of, you're right, it's not sequestered, but it's like, uh, sequestered isn't a good word, but um, they are being, uh, they are allowed to, to, yeah, to roam. Yeah. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. think I said sequester for pre- I don't. Th- you I, I said. Don't know. You said that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'm confusing. You said that you still feel like they're sequestering. As whereas I yeah. think he wasn't saying that. Actually, I feel well, like I, it's 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 not sequestering, but the the separation. Although I think he yeah. does say a few times there seems to be a little a few contradictions in here, where oh, yeah. it, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it seems like he's saying that they're not sequestering them, and then he'll make a statement like, "But there were hospitals that had beds for mad people, or something like that." Right. Right, and that's, I mean, and I, I give him a little bit of uh, break on that because I do feel like history, you know, everything's 
gradation. So it's right. like there's going to obviously be some places in Europe that were had like asylum like things even before that. What did he do? 1674, the hospital general. And yeah, because he right. had like two, he had two dates. Oh, damn it. 1567. Can you still yeah. hear me? The, yeah, yeah, the, I mic, can hear you. the mic's good. Okay. Um, so yeah, 1567 as the creation of that. Two events that signify when reason and madness modified their language. And so Mm -hmm. the modifying their language was, I think, this idea that, like, you used to sort of, uh, you weren't trying to silence the mad person. Mm -hmm. You were just, like, letting them roam and be wild. Get out of here. Yeah, just day. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah, exactly. there's also there was also the the kind of poetic tie of madness to nature, the secret truths right. of the earth, right? Right. They yeah. they <laughs> send them out to a farm like like right. like your rabbit when you were a child that your parents sent off to a farm. Well, and it's it is kind of funny because it was making me think how I almost do like you know we have all these homeless issues yep. these days, right? It's just a lot of homeless people. And I have always sort of been like, maybe we should just, like, sequester a part of, like, you know, and just, like, have it. Uh, did you ever play RuneScape? No. I, I did see Escape from New York and Escape from L.A., though. Oh, no. Well, you had in RuneScape, you had a place called The Wilderness. And it was just, like, this sort of place outside of civilization where, like, you could go, but, you know, just yeah. beware. There's no laws around here. And you did used to kind of have that. Outside of Austin of feels like that. Oh yeah. So the, oh, that's and that's I guess my point is it seems like people are doing that anyway and yeah. it's like maybe we should just like carve out a place. And it sounds crazy but it's also like well, you know, in some sense I am like if you want to go and live wild, fine, go do it away from me. Right. <laughs> and 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 then and then maybe you'll, you'll appreciate all the luxuries of civilization more right. when you realize like oh yeah, this kind of sucks and I and I'm always <laughs> kind of having to be on guard and <laughs> I yeah. hate sleeping in the rain and stuff mm-hmm. whatever. Um no, anyway. But but it was making me think that is like there is something to be like in modern times you really have no choice but to be in society. And yeah. I do think that is sort of one issue that uh is sort of uh, causing a lot of right. Metal, well, because metal, what do you do yeah. with mad people in that situation? Exactly. Yeah, you you sequester them. <laughs> right. So yeah. So some thoughts that I had that could be that I thought would be good for us to to talk about because he talks about madness a lot, and then he uses the word disorder towards the mm-hmm. end of the chapter, which I find to be a really interesting word because uh, I hear it a lot in in medical and psychological terminology, things like disordered thinking and mm-hmm. stuff like that mental disorders physical mm-hmm. disorders right. disorder is a really interesting idea to me like as a <laughs> narrative it is. as an anarchist <laughs> yeah right <laughs> anyway so 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 what 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 is he talking cuz he doesn't really define madness in a very direct way he talks about different conceptions of madness Whoa. yeah no that is true um well no, I, well, I do think the reason he used disordered is getting at that idea of, like, rationality is trying to add an order to right. the disorganized chaos of nature. Mm-hmm. And so it is that idea that you don't you don't have that, like, especially in the example you brought up of, like, disordered thought, which right. you might see in somebody who presents with schizophrenia. Right. Um, and, you know, basically they'll, like, be on one topic and then they'll jump to just a completely different topic and and you'll just be like how did you know how did you get there Mm -hmm. and so there's no logic you know there is there is some logic in a sense like their brains are associating these two concepts in a way like we don't understand right but 
for yeah for the rational person it doesn't the a that's how i define it it's like a plus b equals c is sort of an ordered thought right yes um, sure yeah <laughs> or two plus two equals five i should say right right very very <laughs> ordered <laughs> i guess it's ordered in a way well yeah yeah it's a good radiohead song right okay. <laughs> um uh but yeah um yeah i don't know uh and I I, compl- I do agree with you is that he didn't come out and sort of define madness. I had a couple quotes though where I felt like he was describing him. I can try to find them if if you want to, if you have any thoughts too. Okay. Uh, while I do that. Okay. <laughs> sure. 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 Well, I mean the. I think that madness is probably a difficult idea to define, and that's probably why he he's talking about how it's associated rather than giving a direct definition. So something associated with hidden truths or forbidden truths or something associated with uh, death was a big yes. one. Yes, so I have, yeah, whenever you're, sorry. I have Well, because actually the whole time I'm thinking of, when, when he's talking about death, I think about um, apocalyptic Christians who are always talking about the end of times. And... Mm-hmm. Alex Jones is constantly coming up in my mind while I'm reading this and like how how he fits into uh, these conceptions, because I feel like a a lot of the modern conspiracy theory movements are kind of apocalyptic. Mm hmm. Very much so. Yeah. 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 So I have I have. So he's essentially defining madness as the ability to endlessly contemplate death, which I think is an interesting idea. And then so I have this quote. Um, and where once man's madness had been uh, not to see death's term was approaching so that it was uh, necessary to recall him to wisdom with the spectacle of death, now wisdom consisted of denouncing madness everywhere, teaching men that they were no more than dead men already, and that if the end was near, it was to the degree that madness become universal would be one and the same with death itself. So I don't really know what that means. So okay. So basically, yeah, I know he's trying to say madness was a kind of death. Is sort of what I thought. Uh, but like, yeah, it's like here. What 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 page is this on for you? It's a uh, fifty-two. Um. Oh, we have different pages. Uh oh, you have the book. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, what number pro- is it near? Seven. I think it's like it must be seventeen. Okay. Or something. Because the next thing I talk about is, uh, or probably like 16. I don't know. 16. Well, I don't have the exact thing, but I, I did take that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, okay. while you're looking for that, I'll, I can sort of talk about stuff, though. Because then he talks about, like, the Grillos, which I thought was interesting. And he, and he goes off on this sort of, I mean, this is where he got really sort of hard for me to follow when he was talking about all these painters that I just, I, I didn't know any of these people. Like That Hieronymus was the coolest part to me, Bosch. though. Like, reading it, it was is cool. so, like, I yes. don't know, something about it is, like, exciting. It, it was actually, cool. It made it me think cool. of uh, Hellraiser or Hellbound Heart. Did you ever read that? Uh-uh. The, but that that's another story that deals with madness as in the seeking of a desire. Because that's another thing he talks about, about madness being tied to the seeking of desire. So the story in in Hellraiser is that there's this little puzzle box. And if you can solve the puzzle box, that unlocks ultimate pleasure. Hmm. The most pleasurable experience, like, you can't even imagine it. 
And uh, what actually ends up happening is it unlocks the realm of this world of these uh, non-human beings who see pleasure and pain as being two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And so you can just you can get to ultimate pleasure through ultimate uh, like carnal torture, like tearing mm-hmm. your skin off and stuff like that. And that is the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, interestingly, uh, when I was reading about his Wikipedia, he was into sadomasochism. Right, right, right. So it makes right. I, I think I think it's it, I think it's, it's very tied. But so I think. This is where I feel like the chapter, it's talking about different ways of conceptualizing where madness lies and where it comes from. So, yeah, obsession with death, obsession with uh, desire. Uh, the one I keep bringing up, the, the kind of tie to the secret truths of the earth or the universe. Uh, what, what are some of the other ones? Um, sorry, I was, I was reading my notes. Nice. <laughs> My it's apologies. a hard one. This is this is. It, I, feel it like was, it's, I, I mean, think it's the hardest thing we've read. I think so too. And yeah. and you know, like we were saying about you know the the painting part. It's like I spent a long time just on like three pages because it's like I would read something and I'd be like, who is Hieronymus Bosch? And then I would yeah. go look up the yeah. the the that you know what he was talking about the the triptych uh, of temptation of Saint Anthony. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is this. He spent like a good. Deal of right, time, that's just talk, the temptation one. Yep, yep. Yeah, talking about this painting and sort of the, the symbolism behind Impossible it. Impossible animals. Right, right, and oh, and it. and yeah. So I I did sort of feel like he did keep coming back to this idea, though. We say that he had a lot of sort of conceptions of madness, sure, but I did feel like he kept coming back to this idea of it being tied to death, and mm-hmm. and I did sort of think of it as like. Because uh, I've thought about this with consciousness, as I, I, you know, have this whole. I don't. It's not my theory, but this is sort of just how I think about it. That your consciousness is a spectrum, and actually, consciousness is the ultimate a- uh, anxiety that we have is a fear of death, because it's like sure. consciousness developed essentially to prevent us from dying Uh because it was this great planning capability to allow us to survive in the wilderness and then it's just sort of blossomed and maybe Uh even exploded some might say into this monstrosity that we have now so but all that came from just being able to project into the future and pass out of the present and so when he was talking about this it was making me think about a lot of the similar things i've had where it almost felt like he was saying uh you know in that quote that I was saying, now wisdom consisted of denouncing madness everywhere, teaching men that they were no more than dead already, and right. um, and necessary to recall him to uh, wisdom with the spectacle of death. So it's like it's making them aware of death. Like the more rational you are, and the more you lean into consciousness, you could say, which I would say is that rational thing. Like I think right. consciousness is the rationality that we have. Uh-huh. Then you're going to sort of yeah, constantly be thinking about death, whereas maybe in the mad people, uh, they're not, uh, I don't know, he says, I don't know. See, this is where, though, then he also says that madness has not been, uh, and where once man's madness had been not to see that death's term was approaching. Um, See, that's where I feel like he's saying the, you know, quote, mad people or, you know, whatever you want to call them, whatever the politically correct way to say it would be, right. uh, we're using his words, uh, is that they are not thinking about death and they're not sort of hyper aware right. of it and they're not 
and, and in some ways, maybe that they're they're happier. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think an important he didn't get bit into about that. it that though. Was me. That was I me. think part of the reason he doesn't define it in one way because like the death thing is, is sort of a, a definition, but I think he's tying that to a specific era too. Well, yeah, the b- before the 15th century, right? I think his point is also that the, what where madness lies changes over time. Yes, so m- madness isn't one thing. Right, which is the whole social construct thing, I suppose, right? right? Yeah, right. I agree with that, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yes, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll let you take the wheel for a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh, I think it's a little bit tricky to figure out where to go because we could talk about it on that the the broad scale and try and relate it to now because it's it's so hard like I that that same thing you were talking about about the 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 temptations and all that it's uh, I mean I guess I'm more interested in his writing and where he's coming from as as a historian, just because it's so different than the other histories that we've read. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, I don't know if you saw, but I, I was like, okay, let me let me get ChatGPT's help on this. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and we I, should bring that into it. <laughs> bring and an AI was, into it. Because I was like, all right, ChatGPT, can you explain the connection Foucault is making between death and madness in the beginning of his book? Yeah. And, and you know, he, they, I should say, ChatGPT, it <laughs> um, sort of talks about Foucault argues that in classical age, the experience of madness was intimately uh, linked with the notion of death. Madness was often considered a form of moral and social corruption, and it was associated with death in various ways. And then it sort of has like four different uh, types of death social death, uh, which is people deemed mad were often excluded from mainstream society, symbolic death. Foucault also explores how madness was considered a form of otherness. And then death of reason, the classical age emphasized the importance of reason and rationality as the defining characteristic of humanity. And death as a remedy, in some cases, you know, death was considered a possible cure, right? Right. So this was all after. um, Uh And I do, you know, and I think this does get to the idea of before that, it was like mad people were allowed to sort of be wild. They were one with nature and, and... there wasn't this attempt to control and institutionalize and stuff like sure. that. Um, I mean, that and that sort of getting back to what the, I guess my opening statement was, is that I did feel like that was sort of the fundamental uh, sure. point being made. Not a prescription. I agree with you. I hope I wasn't trying to say that he was trying to prescribe anything in this first um, part. Right, right. Is more of just, yeah, it's just looking at the historical uh, yeah. change over time. I think good job, ChatGPT. Yeah, pretty, no, I mean it's it pretty amazing. okay. I think so. I mean, who knows? Well, I've heard food. it do a lot worse and make stuff yeah. up. That's well, not. for all we know, it could have just made that up too. I mean, you know, <laughs> but it seems about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I. So so if you take don't all have that anything, with a grain of salt, <laughs> salt listeners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I think there's some specifics that are kind of interesting throughout. So I think mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's the that's the main point. But if we go back to the the leper stuff. That was kind of interesting, the the, the leper yes. colony. What yeah, I, think, no, I agree. Yeah. What I think is most interesting about it, that also ties to madness, and not just madness, but sort of 
all forms of uh, sickness and healing is mm. the, the religious content of society's relationship to it. Yeah. And when they were talking about how being stricken with uh, leprosy is in and of itself a form of... Uh, is a gift from God, right? Because... Mm-hmm. God is giving you the gift of punishing you for your iniquities. Right. Which is... Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's wild, but actually, it's kind of like what the guy I was talking to last night. I mean, that's kind of his perspective on things. Yeah. Well, it is a nice... I mean, it, it's not it's nice. nice. <laughs> it's, not, it's not. That's not the right. Warms I, I your was, heart, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was saying it's... It, what I meant to... Or, you know, if I had finished the thought, what I was saying is it, it's a nice way uh, of uh, sort of dealing with the madness of reality of being like all right I just I'm being punished for this and I just have to sort of take it or whatever you know right like, you know it's just another obviously it's just a way that people sort of yeah deal with reality um, right. and, and and I I do think that at some point stage in everybody's life we all do come to that realization if we live long enough where right. we just are like okay i can't really control i i'm trying to control all this stuff and i just can't and okay right. let me just you know whether you whether you chalk it up to god or just stochasticism you know it's just like mm-hmm. you know randomness um but i do think that we all do sort of get there which is interesting um, yeah i don't know uh but i yeah it's interesting what you were saying about the apocalyptic part because that was sort of because I get the impression that you were saying basically mad people are associated with apocalyptic thinking a right. lot and mm-hmm. and I do sort of see that um, which but then that sort of goes against what that Foucault quote. I mean, was I think all of the associations too. that he makes are associations we still have. Yes, um, like I th- hmm. I think I think the idea of the sea is. We don't use the sea so much anymore specifically, but I don't think we have a whole lot of relationship in the modern world with the sea in that way. Yeah. But with space, I mean, think about space movies. Everybody goes crazy in space. The idea mm-hmm. of the void and like going back to, to Alex Jones and there's, that, there's the, the quote, if you stare into the void too long, the void stares back into you. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he thinks that he stared too long into the void. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably right. <laughs> He might be right. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. Well, that's very self-aware of him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Say what you will. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that 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 associations that like it it feels true to me. It feels like that statement has some some deep wisdom in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think so. Um, well, it's so. Uh, I I do sort of have a whole rant to make. I don't know if you want me to make it now, having to do with some of the lineage of this thinking. Okay. Which I, um, so when I was reading more about just the background of Foucault and stuff, uh, yeah. he it was again. This is all from Wikipedia. It was it was mentioning that one very important writing that he read at, at like when he was in his early twenties that seemed to have influenced him a lot was yeah. uh, Nietzsche. And specifically, right. uh, I think it was, what was it? It was uh, his meditations. I can't remember what the first okay. word was. Um, God, it's going to... Uh, 
Meditation. Um, it's fine. Oh, uh, untimely meditations. Yeah. Okay. Because I actually haven't read them, so I'm meaning to read those now. Because uh, I've only done, you know, whatever the will to power and stuff like that or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thus said Zarathustra Zarist- right. or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, that. I, I was just uh, reading the synopsis of that before because I didn't have time to obviously read the whole thing. And it's four letters, and, and one of them is sort of Nietzsche's getting at... Um, he's talking about the history of life uh-huh. and and that uh, it's impossible to have an objective concept of human humans because human experience is subjective. Um, right. And how also there's like no his, real history of humans because we uh-huh. change from moment to moment and stuff. I need to sort of go into all this a little bit more, but this is essentially what Hume was saying. All of this mm. is sort of going back to David Hume. David Hume was saying a lot of this in the 18th century and, uh, and of course, is very influential philosophically. I mean, I'm sure yeah. Nietzsche read him and, and Foucault. And this was something I always had an issue with Hume, actually. He was sort of the first one to articulate this idea, I think, of that, you know, uh, there's no, like, uh, experience is basically because he's an empiricist mm-hmm. and the idea that experience is the only way to get truth but all of your experience is subjective because you know uh, we I can't say what your right, conception right, right, of right, color right. is so this is what I also thought was really interesting because all of these guys keep going back to vision too which I think makes right. sense because it's vision is the way that we sort of take in in the empiricist sense, this is we sort of translate a lot right. of our scientific information into vision or or thereabouts. Yeah, right. I mean, into whatever it is—a graph or you know, a spectrogram or whatever yeah. it is—it's a visual mm-hmm. thing. And I just think this makes sense that we would, when we're trying to talk about uh, everything philosophically, we ultimately get back to the sensations because it is all built upon that. And this is where I don't have a good argument, but I just I disagree that uh-huh. uh, there is no objective truth, and I think it I had. Agree. It, okay, yeah, yeah. But this is where this is where I think Foucault and like potentially Nietzsche and Hume would disagree with us. Right. Um, and maybe that, that means we're positivists. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I think. Well, I think that there's different there's different ways and there's different places you can put objective truth, and I think that. Even reading Foucault, you can see that there's sort of no bottom. And that's what we're talking about. What is his definition of madness mm-hmm. and it sort of shifts and stuff like mm-hmm. that? There isn't really a substrate. It's kind of all shifty. It's part of probably why it's sort of hard to understand because he's not building on a, much of a foundation. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's speaking in language, right? So we can kind mm-hmm. of understand him. And, and unfortunately, it's in translation. I mm-hmm. mean, I assume you've been reading yours in French, but. Obviously. Est-ce que je peux aller au double V? Okay. Je m'appelle. Nice. Okay. I got to bleep that. I got to bleep that. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, anyway, what were you saying? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, oh, 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 different different places to put <laughs> to put objective objective yeah. truth. So I don't right. know. I don't know what Hume or uh, or Nietzsche said uh, say about objective truth. Yeah. I'm not really a big Hume guy, but um, I think that 
like something Mises and the, the whole libertarian school write about is that the, the Keynesians have it all wrong with economics. There's no such thing as objective value. And I agree with that. The value is subject. Not, not, like a pen doesn't have any objective value. It only has the, whatever value we, I, I want or any individual puts on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true of any product or anything. Well, and I so like we, I think yeah. that's true. However, I do think that there, there is such a thing as objective reality, and I just don't exactly know how to access it or how to prove that you can access it. Right. So, like, you and I yeah. seem to believe that each other exists. Right. And, that's, and, and I, think, I think that to be true, and I don't have a way to prove it, I guess. Right. Well, and, uh, and so I should, I should qualify. I don't actually, I don't know if Nietzsche and Hume would believe that there's no, that uh, there's no objective truth. That's right. just sort of what I inferred from reading some of their arguments, but I'm not an expert on this, so I just want to qualify right. that. It does seem that be that's what Foucault thinks. I, I don't think know. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe um, so. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I need, I actually want to sort of work this out, but I just feel like, so I was thinking about this and we've, we come back to this idea of like, what is truth? And I, I still sort of feel that it is reproducibility in a sense, or something right. that, that you can steadily say like, why do you, why, you know, uh, that this wall is gray or whatever, because every time right. I look at it, it is gray. Right. And and then if somebody else looks at it, they're also like, yeah, that's gray. Right. And even gray though is maybe, hard though, because a perception is a very hard thing to deal with. Truth. Well, c color, right? Yes. I mean, this is well. This is why I think it was interesting that Nietzsche was working with Goethe on a theory right. of color, apparently, which I didn't right. know anything about. And then Hume, a lot of what he his work was doing was was on the back of Berkeley, who did this big treatise on right. vision, and Newton, who did a whole right. treatise on vision. And because they were getting at that exact thing of like, you know, especially there is a variance of what some people say is blue and red and stuff like that. However, however, and I was just laughing because you did, you do very, <laughs> you're very, uh, very good at, uh, doing the pauses, you know, however, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I think that it's, it comes down to like truth is almost probabilistic. It's like most mm. people agree that you know this is gray and that's why we call it gray even though of course there's going to be there's going to be variation in that there is some kind of distribution where most people lie in the center and say this is gray and so i was thinking about sort of two ways that i think our body our our minds rather uh try to distinguish what truth is there's and i'm just calling it again right now temporal and spatial uh just very you know, rudimentarily, maybe I'll change it in a second. And I'm sure somebody's thought about this already, mm -hmm. but this is just what it was making me think about, is that the temporal is 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 basically the idea that we can come back to this wall ourselves multiple times in, and, mm -hmm. and it will still be gray. And so that's a little bit of reproducibility in the temporal space, right? We can come back in an hour and it's still gray. And we're like, okay, though it must be gray. Then there's the spatial truth, which is that we can ask a bunch of different people and mm. get their opinion. And then we sort of combine that to find what truth is. Right. Is so, that why you it, wore a gray shirt today, too? Yes. To really you're, bring yes. their point home? <laughs> yes. But this, yeah. and I haven't, I haven't reconciled this yet, yeah. but this is where I think it gets tricky because there is something to be said then that you do need other people 
to establish truth. You know, because it, it, yes, you can. I don't you can think that's always true. I think I. Th- no, no, no. But I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that that is something that I think this is hits at home with a lot of these people that try to say that truth is only with like your truth is the only truth. This is right. where I think we get this sort of uh, mm-hmm. conflict, because actually, if you think about how we determine our truth, we do it with other people, I think. Right. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that there's a mix-up in in what mm. it, it's a little bit like what I was saying before because I agree with what you're saying about the I think yeah. that the temporal and the spatial that's a good that's a good way of setting aside different mm-hmm. ways of gaining confidence in the right. reality of something. Right. Um, I think that there there are things that are narratives that we can strip out from that. Gray is just a word that we use to describe a certain mm-hmm. experience. Sure. Right. Like it isn't gray that the grayness isn't the truth in it. It's that that's just the sound that we associate with that experience. The experience mm-hmm. is the trueness of it, right? And uh, so that well, like yeah, it's not yeah, called gray sure. by God. It's called gray no. by people who speak English. No. Yeah, yeah, it's the experience, and then we we have a, we a label. way of yeah, we label it exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. There are things though, like it being cold outside. Whether or not anybody agrees, you will freeze to death. And so that's where there's sort of like the, you're butting up against something that is much closer to an objective reality. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's negative 30 out and there's some weirdo from Wisconsin who's wearing shorts is like, it's not cold. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you call that. You're going to die if you don't take the right precautions. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's where I would say that's why I was getting back to this yeah. idea that it takes. Right. But you of, don't need anybody else even to confirm that. You can just yeah. die. You don't need to ask anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's you true. don't need to ask anyone if you can that's breathe true. underwater. Mm-hmm. You'll find uh, out. Right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, what I'm saying is I actually don't think – I think that asking other people can help you to build your own confidence, but that's mm-hmm. not where the truth lies. Right, right. That's, a, that's right. a good way of helping you to access what might or might not be true. But it's mm-hmm. true whether or not – if everybody else told you that you could breathe underwater, that doesn't make it any more true. Right. Yeah, no, I mean that's a very good point. Uh, and like I said, I got to sort of still hash this out because, yeah, I mean – yeah, I would agree. That's a very good point of how it is. There is an objective truth beyond yourself. Um, and and I, I, there isn't yeah. a good way to prove that because there is also like postmodern argumentation against even the narrative of death. And then at well, a I was going to say, point, yeah, because like once you die, you, you're not, you know, you could say truth doesn't even exist anymore in some sense. <laughs> right. But it, it's not even just the postmodernists. There's some, like the, the Christian theology suggests hmm. that there is such a thing as non death. And, and actually, a lot heaven? of them. Heaven, but actually, if, if you press Christian theologists about it, they're, they're a little bit, it's a little bit more poetic than that. Like, there's, the, there's the, the basic idea, like, there's gates, and you walk in, and there's, like, streets, and you have a new house, and you get to right. see your grandma and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is getting uh, but, another... But then th- there's yeah. the other yeah. idea that what, what, 
what heaven means is the, the perpetual existence with God, and it is the conquering of death. That is what heaven mm-hmm. is. And mm-hmm. everybody can conquer death. Yeah. And that what well, death means, yeah. like death and hell are the same thing. They're synonymous because death means separation from God. Non-death, when you're alive, you're with God. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Which well, feels is, to me very Foucault <laughs> narrative-y, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and this was getting me to wonder also another thing is, does this ultimately get back to that maybe very fundamental question Mm -hmm. where you're going to maybe think that all truth is subjective if you're an atheist and if you think that there's an objective truth, does that essentially mean that you're saying that there is a God? That's what Rose Wilder Lane says. I don't know who that is. Uh, Do you, uh, did we talk about this? Laura Ingalls Wilder. Did you ever read Little House in the Big Woods or anything like that growing up? A little house on the prairie. That one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah she yeah. got a whole series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, anyway, yeah, I forgot. So her the... daughter hmm. was like a proto libertarian, hmm. hilarious figure, like very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, met she... Mises. Oh, met, oh, met Mises. <laughs> met Mises and oh, wow. and was like a huge fan, and then uh, got really mad because she thought that Mises. <laughs> believed that a state could be useful for things and was like, I'm sorry, but I can't associate with socialists. <laughs> <laughs> what er- so we're talking, oh, excuse me. <laughs> we're, ta- <laughs> we're talking like end of 19th century, right? Early 20th? Uh, early 20th. I think, I think we might even be talking about like the 30s and 40s. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole crowd is hilarious. Like there's yeah. a story of... Uh, of of Ayn Rand throwing a plate at Murray Rothbard, really? Yeah, wow. for being a socialist. Like they're all like upset with each other for being socialists. Yeah, <laughs> it's like these yeah. people couldn't be further from socialists. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. so Rose Rose Wilder Lane writes uh, about the belief in God and how uh, any action is a belief in God, because <laughs> what we have is we have free will as humans and so acting is embracing the gift we've been given by god or the universe however you conceptualize it if you are choosing things you are displaying your belief in god Mm. whether you say you're an atheist or whatever right um yeah no i mean i i think i agree with that um or i think i agree that yeah, it comes. It always seems to come back to that, rather. Right. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah. And like so, Ayn Rand was so against that because she was like staunchly atheist, but an <laughs> objectivist. And so Rose mm-hmm. Wilder Lane's argument is: Where are you saying objectivity comes from? Like, what is the placement of objectivity, right. if right. not God and or the totality of the universe or something? Right. Right. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I'm still trying to think. So, because, like, could it be also that I'm trying to go back to, because I'm just trying to think about my theory, of course, because I'm, right. I'm an egoist. And uh, and uh, with the idea of how do, you, how do we determine truth, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm sort of going back to. And how do we determine objective truth? Um, 
I think I'm going to have to think about this. But I think you're, I mean, yeah, you're always very good at this, Antushka. Just what? Wait, come, well, what? you come up with very good uh, alternatives. I'm like, uh, I'm trying to reconcile the idea that, yeah, it's like whether or not you think it's cold and you go out in whatever, negative 20 yeah. for a long enough time, you will freeze to death. Yeah. Uh, and you can do all the incantations that you want, and you can do right. all the meditations that you want. And you can say it's a narrative. <laughs> you can say whatever it is, but yeah. the end result is that. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, which is kind of nature in a way. It's like, is nature the ultimate truth, right? <laughs> well, that's um, like saying God is the ultimate. It's the same thing, right? right? It's the same right. statement. You don't determine truth. God does. Nature right. does. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. However, again, it's like, Death is an interesting. I mean, this is maybe uh-huh. where the rash you could rationalize yourself out of it, because right. like death is like a different. It's not reproducible. It only happens right. once. So right. that sort of gets away from the idea of truth in in the way I was defining it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna have to think about this. This is very very good. Um, <laughs> I mean, I no, don't know. Is. I don't yeah. know how to define truth. <laughs> well, yeah. Well. You don't know, but what I feel like I don't know what your def- definition is. If you had to try, what? How would you try? Um. Uh, true. Well, truth is, I would say, truth is not determined by us. Mm-hmm. Uh. Truth is determined by God, the universe, nature, whatever. And I don't mean Jesus, God. I mean like some, some totality that I don't understand. Sure. Um, and that we, and I believe that exists. I believe that there is an existence outside of each of us that is objective in a sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I think that we access it or we try to access it as best we can through a variety of ways, uh, like what our bodies can touch. Our experience is our first way of accessing it. Our understanding of others, our consciousness, is another way of accessing it. Mm-hmm. And then our action is another way of accessing it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, and sort of trying to think back to Foucault. Right. Um, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> Forgot <about him. laughs> No, I, I think I agree with that, though. Um and maybe that, because like honestly, that is kind of what I'm saying though, is that we try to access it by what we can. I don't know. I mean, I think I. So I think that wh- where I would say that there is no objective truth, there are spaces where there is no such thing as objective truth, and those mm-hmm. would be narratives created by us. Right. So madness is not something where there's an objective truth. Madness is a definition. And I, to right. me, that's plainly obvious. Not that there aren't people that need help. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I'm saying that what is and isn't madness, is that's just our perception. Right. No, and I mean, it's you can think about how, quote, mad people are also accessing some kind of deep truth about reality from examples of, like, the, you know... Uh, Nash, right? Nash right. Equal, of Nash Equilibrium, you know, from sure. if you're familiar with the Hollywood, like Beautiful Mind, right? <laughs> Great movie. That's, you know, he's just, he was, he had schizophrenia, but right. he was an amazing mathematician. So despite 
this, he was sort of accessing something, even though we didn't understand all the other things. Right. And, you know, and then you could ask this question of, like, you read some of these scriptures in whatever religion, and you hear about uh, just phantasms or whatever, right. just people talking to you, and you're like, well, this sounds kind of like schizophrenia in, in right. a different context. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet we have built many religions off of sort of yes. messiahs like that. Mm-hmm. Um so we, yeah, it is true. We used to have, uh, we used to have a different appreciation for that, and 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 I don't know. I mean, I because also when I was reading Foucault and and he was talking about how like yeah, you just like <laughs> he was talking about one like sort of dude that would just walk around naked in society, right. and it's like yeah, but there is something to be said about like maybe you want to <laughs> like right. like the, it, it just comes into this question as soon as we create a society we all i think take uh a pact that we're going to have some impingement on our freedom that's sort of the implicit pact you take i know you hate this but let me just get it out (laughs) but 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 it is it is this idea that like you it's just conscientiousness right and again and this is the this is i think the reason that we have sequestered mad people because we, they don't do the pact. They're not conscientious. Dang it! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of them are very conscientious. Yeah. I obviously. It. I mean, this is the thing: is it just depends on right. the person and what the. Yeah, what, yeah. You know, if we want to call it a malady, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Foucault doesn't. Uh, but uh, but there there, you know, there do seem to be reasons that we did this though too. Especially, I mean, I was just reading a story about a woman uh, in Idaho that like killed her kids because she thought they were possessed by the devil, right? Right. So, I mean, then you have examples like that where it's like, okay, yeah, we could just let her run wild, but then what happens, you know? Or, or like, you know, it's so... It's always this question between chaos and order. Sure. And and it's like, I get why... Isn't that a Jordan Peterson book or something? Oh, God. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) 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 This is like when I realized I was a libertarian. (laughs) You got to talk more like Kermit. I can't even. I'm not even going to try. uh, yeah. Uh, God. But, but in a sense... No, I, I, I think, I yeah. think it's a good point. I, I was, I was just giving just you a hard society time. society is order and, and the wilderness is chaos or whatever. Sure. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that what he says? <laughs> Probably. That sounds yeah. like something he'd say. <laughs> yeah. And you gotta go fight the dragon, too, at that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. He'd be like, look, man, chaos is attractive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, I don't know if this is coherent. I was just trying. I sort of it is jumped, coherent. I think I jumped yeah. into this idea that that I was having when reading Foucault of just just to get off of the, the objective truth because I think uh, it's tough. Uh, but I think yeah. I think we sort of agree a little. I think we bit figured it out. I think we figured it out. Yeah. Um, and if uh, anyone wants to know what objective truth is, go back and listen. You got it. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> and, then, and then go back and listen to me try to explain combustion. <laughs> Oh, I looked that up. I, okay, I did figure out combustion. Oh, okay. Well, let me just put a pin in this. All I'm saying is that it does seem... I mean, do you probably agree with this, or maybe you don't, as an anarchist, that there there are times when you have to... I mean, how do you deal with somebody that's... Yeah, yeah. You mean... Yeah, yeah. There's time, murderous. There, there, there's, a, there's an active shooter. You got to shoot him. I, yes. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. how you do it. No, no. I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not saying that you have to do that with this woman. I'm not. I. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I am. 
I am extremely leery of institutional sure institutions in general, institutional punishment and institutional rehabilitation. That doesn't mean that I don't understand the reason for it mm-hmm. in all cases. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's just tough because it's hard for us to say now how much more civil we were when we were in whatever hunter-gatherer societies and whatnot. Where, right. Because it, it does also feel like it's just the problem with institutions is the fact that you get away from the local level and really it's just what these questions require is very specific answers because they're right. all and and, very and the thing that like you're talking cases. about I don't think there is a good answer really what yeah. like what yeah. what do you do with somebody like that I don't know is the answer yeah yeah well and and this is where that's, I get the, in that's the, my answer I mean well and, and this is where it's like you know it's the social pact question is there is something to be said about how if you want to live in society with people, there is a degree that you, <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. of conscientiousness you have to have. And if you don't have it, then right. it makes sense to me. Then, yeah, it's okay. Then just you can't be in this part. But, right. yeah, we're not going. So this, And then this gets back to my initial point of, like, I am kind of for the idea that we have just a wilderness where right. people that want to go live there can go live there. Right. And, yes, God forbid, there's probably going to be crazy stuff that happens, but it's like you've sort of taken right. at least voluntary. I mean, it's, it's like voluntary. Australia, right? It's like a penal colony, <laughs> essentially. Basically, I'm just, yeah, essentially just uh, apparently... <laughs> just Appar- apparently that. I'm for penal colony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little did well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> not even a penal colony, though. I guess no, because it's not. I'm not saying you put people there that have done wrong. I'm hopefully, hopefully, it's, a it's mostly just thing. really annoying people. Yes, it's before <laughs> they do something wrong. You put up. You're like, okay, dude, go if do you something wrong be crazy, over there to them. Go do something wrong over there. <laughs> exactly. And then they, then they create. A, but this is the problem. Then they create a coalition, and then you have barbarians at the gate. <laughs> And you're like, dang it. Yes. Okay, so anyway. Uh, yeah, okay, so did you want to talk about combustion again? I mean, I just mean that I, I figured it out. I, oh, nice. Uh, I, I, I figured out what my what my confusion was. With oh, it. yeah. No, let me, yeah, because, again, I do apologize. I feel like well, I, I so don't that, know why I got so. So, like, com- yeah. like, flame or, like, mm-hmm. heat and light can be expelled with yeah. a variety of... Um, chemical reactions. Chemical reactions, exactly. Yeah. Some of them can include oxygen and are not combustion. Hmm. Combustion has to be with yeah. hydrocarbons. So oxygen reacting with hydrocarbons so that you wind up with CO2 and H2O mm. as a byproduct. See, I still wonder, though, if that is, is that, I thought the most general explanation was just an exothermic reaction with a redox reaction, where you have an oxidant and a reductant, and right, so so ox- oxidation or oxidization yes. is yeah. a, an umbrella. Like you were saying, it's an umbrella. Yeah, exactly. And then combustion is a specific type. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong, but I was reading a specific type that has to do with hydrocarbons. Okay. Yeah, I, I could believe that. And yeah. maybe maybe the different people use it differently. Yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah. If, if you light, if you light um, like copper on fire in a vacuum, that's not combustion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I was correct to say, you know, that oxidative phosphorylation, which is what we do when we breathe, is combustion. Because yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Cool. Well, that's all I care about. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that I'm still remembering something. Tons of things. <laughs> like, so much stuff is combustion that you don't think is combustion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because yep, it's yeah, not yeah. all, like, explosions. Everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting. It's just hydrocarbons. Yeah, but that makes sense because, like, basically all of the fuels that we use are hydrocarbons. I mean, this is right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. So okay. Interesting. Forgot. Interesting. I forgot. I forgot about that. That confusion. Yeah. <laughs> I love your question. Why don't you understand? This? <laughs> well, but you could see it's, I wasn't doing a good job explaining. No, no, no. It. no I mean, it's great. Yeah. No, I, I, I have that. Pre- <laughs> My wife was like vindicated because she's like, because <laughs> I would say that I don't have these problems with other people. <laughs> she's like, oh, oh, you obviously really? do. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Did she? Oh, yeah. Did she listen, or did she just tell her about it? I just told her. Oh, she was the one who helped yeah. me with the the hydrocarbons thing. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and it's funny. <laughs> yeah, and I told you my brother's been listening, so oh, nice. I'd like to get him on the podcast sometime. <laughs> was X. he like? How does he not understand this? No, 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 no. I'm sure everybody was like, "Did our Calm down. <laughs> um, I was getting more frustrated with myself, honestly. No, it's that great. I, it's, I just yeah. wish I could. Like, how do you not understand that? I feel like if you could answer that, you know the answer to the I know, problem. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It was more of frustration that I was so incoherent. And I think, again, not really. I don't think you were incoherent. Like what you were saying, the umbrella with the oxidization mm-hmm. and combustion as a subset. Mm-hmm. That okay. that makes sense, and it seems to be true. So okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right, well, All right, so uh, what do what do we do uh, next? Do, we, do you want to oh, just do yeah. the next one, the the institutionalization? Uh, yeah, no, I figured we just ride this one out. I mean, honestly, we could probably. How much left? I mean, you have the book, the the written book. How much? Because uh, I feel like we did like fifty pages, right? Yeah. This last time? I mean, and it's probably like 150, so should we just do the next well, third? Well, my copy's 300, so we did oh. 50 out of 300. Okay. Well, yeah, we won't do the whole thing then. <laughs> but also, I I d- yeah, yeah. I don't think I can do that in, in two weeks with the... Yeah. yeah my yeah. shit. Uh, yeah. I got you, I got you. Um, but yeah, the next the next chapter is The Great Confinement. Yeah. Um, Compel in trial. Let me go... Let me go... Ah. Keep dropping the mic. Let me yeah. go back to the to the contents. Um, yeah, good good radio. Uh, the Great Confinement. <laughs> okay. Uh, the insane passion and delusion. Yeah. Madness and civilization. Because we probably should get to that at some point. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Should we do? We could do madness and civilization next. Yeah. So. I kind of, I mean, I almost want to, like, skip around in this because there's a lot of good things, like doctors and patients would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, the birth of asylum, I think we should probably get to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Okay. I don't know if we, if we want to do, like, insane doctors and patients and the birth of asylum. Do we want to do four? Do we want to change the format of the whole show? No, 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 no. I'm saying, oh, well, that we can do, too. But I'm saying for next week, if we jump around in the in this and do yeah. the insane, okay, and up until passion and delirium, okay, and then jump to doctors and patients, okay, and then jump to the birth of asylum, yeah, but not all for next week. Uh, I thought these were just little sections. Uh, well, they're like thirty plus page sections. Oh, well. <laughs> God, Okay, you tell me what you want to do. <laughs> okay, uh, why don't we do? Let's see, because the insane is page sixty-five to eighty-five. Right. So that's twenty, and then doctors and patients 
is 159 to 199. Yeah. Okay, uh, you want to do that? Those two? Yeah. We can do those two. I'm almost certain I won't get through all of that. But That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's do those I, two. Yeah. The insane and doctors <laughs> and patients. Cool. Yeah. 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 And I did think, yeah, it really is interesting how I wonder why he wrote it like this, too. Because it, it actually was making me think it's like he's trying to write it like, uh, um, well, I don't know. I was going to say Plato, but then oh. even, well, not not really, because it's not a dialogue, but right. with, like, the, with the different sort of numbers, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know what he was trying the to do. The first thing it there. reminds me of, honestly, is the Unabomber Manifesto. <laughs> that's how that's it's, it's written as a series of it, it's 99 theses mm. well yes so th- yeah and so that's kind of what i was getting at is like like martin luther of, yeah exactly well and, and david hartley his right. observations on man his frame and his expectations yeah. is kind of like this too yeah. although it is a what the weird thing is even though that was written 200 years before this I felt like it was still a little bit better organized because I don't know if you noticed, but like, and is this the postmodern sort of thing where it's like he would start a new section, but it wouldn't be capitalized? Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. There's also a I, lot of typos. Yeah, but that's also probably the translate. I mean, that that it's like yeah. not the best copy. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's mo- the most popular, which is interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. where the postmodernism is and where it's just mistakes. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the case. That's true in music, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I do think this is good. This is a good pick. It's almost making me wonder if we should go to Nietzsche after this. Sure. Does he do a um, history one? Well, so I was going to say, yeah, his whole, I mean... That is where I can completely see Foucault's in, uh, Nietzsche's influence yeah. on Foucault. Because, yeah, uh, Nietzsche's very much about sort of understanding uh, uh, philosophy through history. Sure. Because uh, I feel like I'm liking this history thing, at least for, like, for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll... I'll, I'll uh, yes, no. Nietzsche's all about history. And, and honestly, is also just because he's also writing about... Germ- his his modern day Germany, right. which you know, in the end of the nineteenth century, it's historical in that sense because he's he's being very. You're learning about what his take on the German mm, people are, right. which is why he's so fascinating. Because I mean, this is why he's aged so well is because he basically called all the authoritarianism that came in the in the mm-hmm. you know thirty years after his death um, or whatever, maybe more, right? Uh-huh. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and it's interesting when I was saying whether or not he would agree in subjective truth. He's also like, he says things, but he doesn't believe them. He's just saying this is what people believe. So right. for all I know, without having read his meditations, right. he could have just been saying like, this is what everybody, it's like he's critiquing it by sort of right. summarizing it in a sense. Because sure. um, that's a lot what he, he does. But yeah, I think he's also just very easy to read. I was That was one striking nice. thing. It's just, he's very readable. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> now I'd say we do Schopenhauer, but I don't know if we should do Schopenhauer. We can do whatever. We can keep Schopenhauer's going, a little man. spicy, Antushka. <laughs> well, I like that. Yeah, yeah. He's I don't think spicy. I'd like Schopenhauer, but. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Well, you might, because, I mean, yeah. again, I think Foucault was yeah. also influenced by 
a lot yeah. of Schopenhauer. Yes. Well, maybe yeah. not. I, I shouldn't say that. I think that. I remember I really that know. from something. I don't remember mm. what. Oh, Some class. Okay. Oh. Yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Sorry, we'll end soon. I know you got to go. But, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, I see you uh, squirming. <laughs> You're like, uh. yeah. <laughs> um, but, Gotta uh, go. Yeah, but uh, so your your program was. I mean, it's interesting, sort of, but it also makes sense because you were in the. You know, you did you did a humanities right. masters essentially. So you did a lot of postmodern sort of stuff. Well, we had that. a class that we had to do called critical studies, which was right. it's more more critical theory than postmodernism. But the the professors there were very into postmodern uh, academics, right? And they were they would always encourage us to pra- like uh, work out our postmodern muscles so that we could communicate in that way. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. But well, I remember like that that talk. It was the weirdest thing. Like the professor is sitting and going like that. It's like, <laughs> do they understand this? It's like it was in, literally like listening to a talk in a language that you don't speak. You mean just so for people listening? So oh, you sorry. Were just, you were just nodding your head. In oh, I, yeah, right. Action. Of course, of course. I should have thought about that. Yeah, yeah. So and, and the, it was a yeah. talk when I was in my master's. I, I we talked about it earlier in the yeah. episode. But uh, all the professors were listening to this talk, nodding as if they understood what was going on. And uh, when, I, when I was listening to the talk, it sounded to me like utter like nonsense. I didn't understand it at all, as if it could have been in a language that I didn't speak. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the critical theory is just, it's the idea of sort of looking at history with a critical lens of like, race and power and stuff like that yeah power power at it at its at its at its core because critical right. theory like marcuse and right. adorno and stuff like that pre-critical race theory is right. the is essentially yeah it, it's the idea that there is only power which comes out of postmodernism. That that's ultimate, what i was gonna say isn't that didn't that come from foucault and yes yeah they they draw a lot yeah. from from foucault but the uh, but i think where foucault and they would differ is that the the critical theorists like to cast things as sort of oppressor oppressed hmm. and i think that foucault would think that that's way too specific a narrative hmm. like that is also a narrative mm-hmm. yeah he'll tear the whole bottom out of everything and be off into a black hole somewhere and they're right. like no 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 this is important to stick on the suppressor oppressed thing. yeah yeah it's interesting because, I mean, you could also say that almost Nietzsche was kind of talking about that. The will to power. I think that's what it's right. called. I mean, I um, think power is an important conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at some point we should maybe read some Plato, uh, maybe Ooh. at least his Republic, because he... The whole thing. Well, the beginning, at least. Yeah. It's all about sort of... Justice, vi- right? Justice, isn't the, exactly. Isn't the first, the first conversation justice? Yeah, and it's... Yeah. And it's, it's uh, Socrates is essentially uh, trying to show how this one guy who believes justice is the is the powerful. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is ro- he's trying to show how that's wrong? Right. Right. But Doesn't it pro- come out that the, there is basically no meaning? <laughs> yes. That's how, that's. I remember, I remember I, that. Yeah. I finished it, and <laughs> I was like, "She never told me what his opinion is." <laughs> Right, it's just, uh, it just it doesn't mean anything. I just assumed that I was just being stupid, though. <laughs> no, no, I think I think essentially the takeaway that I took was that justice doesn't really have a meaning at, right. its, at its core. 
Right. And and so this is the interesting thing, and sort of we can wrap up here, but I mean, maybe we'll talk about, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, is going back to all this idea of like cold and color and everything. Uh-huh. It is getting to this idea that we're talking about it with language, and mm-hmm. language is a secondary it's a secondary thing on top of the truth that we're trying to sort of establish in reality. Language is a creation that we've made as humans to communicate to our best of our ability the reality that we perceive in some sense. Um, But, yeah, we'll talk about that more. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, man. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll be back back home, so I'll have a good microphone again next week. It sounds fine, I think. Yeah, sure it does. You're just saying that. (laughs) That's really silly. No, it yeah. does sound fine. You are. No, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, that, oh, yeah, no, it, shucks. And, uh, the last episode did pretty well. I mean, for did us. It? Oh, I, I, I forgot to look. What did yeah. we get? I Back up to, to five million? Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> more, more or less. Uh, less, but but not that much less. <laughs> it's all relative, just a, right? Just like a factor of six or something, or <laughs> ten. <laughs> or, or sorry, a factor of five million. <laughs> <laughs> or something. I always get that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These damn uh, scientific noca- notation, you know? Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. All right, cool. cool. Well, yeah, no. All right, sounds good. Cool. See ya. Bye.